pray. Holy Spirit, we bless your leadership this morning. Fall fresh on me. Lord God, would I only speak, uh, Lord God, by your power uh, and your words, Lord God. Uh, Lord God, I pray that you'd give us ears to hear and um, anoint my lips, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the prophecy of Zechariah is being fulfilled here, right? Um, Isaiah, or Zechariah prophesied, he will come in riding lowly and gentle on a donkey. And he said he'll come in victory and righteousness. And Isaiah's prophecy is fulfilled, right? When uh, it says that the messenger was coming far off and the watchmen saw him coming and they rejoiced and they worshiped and they said, God reigns. Uh, they rejoiced together. In the spirit of Solomon, if you will, from the Old Testament, who was inaugurated as king by riding in on a donkey, his name meaning peace, right? Jesus comes, and I can't help but be reminded of his words elsewhere in the gospel accounts that said, but something greater than Solomon is here. And the people seem to have a sense of that, right? And John spoke to this some. The people have a sense that God is, that the king is coming uh, to liberate them. And the religious leaders of that day who are rebuking Jesus are more like crime bosses, right? They are out of God's house of prayer. They are, instead of facilitating prayer as religious leaders, they are instead, um, they are uh, making money on uh, the people there who are different than them. And they're politically connected and therefore fear Jesus becoming king in the case that they'll lose what they have, even though their people at large are deeply oppressed. And the disciples are worshiping Jesus because of the miracles they've seen, and they're worshiping Jesus because of what kind of king, what kind of liberation he might bring which was to free them from Rome, from their oppression, right? But Jesus is coming as a totally different king and in a totally different mood, right? Jesus is feeling some type of way, and his disciples totally miss it, right? They are worshiping and excited, and Jesus weeps. And I don't know about you guys, but when I think about the cup of Jesus, or the cup that overflows is kind of is the picture given in the Old Testament sometimes. Um, I think of a cup of blessing and peace and joy, right? And I think of anointing for strength. And here we see the anointed one, Jesus the Christ, weeping. And it begs me to ask the question, do I know what time it is? Do we know what time it is? In each moment of our lives, are we in touch? Are we in tune with what Jesus' response would be? Right? Because even his disciples are only seeing it vaguely, right? They're only seeing in part. They're worshiping him. That's good. <laughs> but they're missing this bigger picture. That's not untrue of us today sometimes, right? And I'll unpack that in a minute. But, um, but you know, also, I think about the era, 
that this happened in, right? I mean, this was before the cross. And so, of course, his, his anointing included suffering then because of what he was about to endure, right? He wept because the people didn't realize his visitation. He wept because he would suffer and die. He wept because they thought he was one kind of king, and he was grossly misunderstood, right? But the reality is, is on this side of the new covenant, 2,000 years after the cross, we still identify with Jesus in suffering, as John mentioned, right? Because the kingdom is now and not yet. It manifests in places and people at different times and seasons, but not all people in places at all times and seasons. That the kingdom of the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, but not yet, right? And so we weep. And we weep with those who weep. And we suffer too. And um, we identify with Jesus in that. My main point today is that the good news in this era is that we get to know Jesus better in his joy and in his suffering. I'm going to repeat that. We get to know Jesus better in his joy and in his suffering. Well, they only saw in part, right? The disciples only saw in part. And Jesus doesn't rebuke them. He doesn't correct them for this. He just receives their worship. In fact, he says, look, if the rocks, uh, or if they don't worship, the rocks will cry out. And so I will have a witness, <laughs> you know, and, and they worship him. He doesn't correct it. It's always appropriate to worship him. It shows our rightful place, right, is when we look on him in worship. And he'll always receive our worship. Um, but they only see in part, as I mentioned before. And I want to share a prophetic story recently that shows an example of how we see in part only sometimes. So two months ago, I had a dream. And in the dream, a friend of mine was saying, where do you guys get this energy? Where do you guys get this energy? Like, like the kind of energy, the type of energy you have. It wasn't like about having so much energy as much as it was like, what, what is this kind of energy? And I said, oh, it's God's grace, man. And we walked in the back of the sanctuary here, and I opened the blind, and then I just began to cry at God's presence in this place. And then I looked up here on the platform, and there was a man preaching. I don't know who he was, but it was like this old school picture, uh, or like, um, it was like back in the day, and he was preaching this sermon, and it was a moral movie. It was like this moralistic movie review about a mafia movie. That's just what happened. Yeah, that's weird. So these guys, organized criminals in suits, are beating each other up like badly, and it's super like vivid in my dream. I wake up, and the only thing I have, I, I think it's a spiritual dream, at least because of what happened first, and the only thing I have out of that is like, Lord, would we continue to be a gospel-centric church? Would we continue to be a people who make your presence primary, where we're transformed from the inside out by the power of God, rather than merely moral do's and don'ts, right? Like, don't behave this way. This is a bad movie. <laughs> like, 
right? Like there's no, there's no power in that. There's no holiness in that. That's not what God's after. He's after something deeper. He's after healing and freeing us from that which is in us that may cause us to act like that, right? But that's the gospel. And, and so, I, you know, that's all I got for prayer, right? I'm like, I think this is a spiritual dream. God, what does it mean? And then I'm praying this thing. Keep us a gospel-centered church. Well, and, and that's all I knew until last week. Last week here was the interpretation of my dream. Last week here, two people had a prophetic word about something that God wanted to do in Italians in this region. And it wasn't just about Italians, but what it was a manifestation of God wanting to address strongholds in this region, strongholds of striving, strongholds of violent spirits with which uh, people of past generations and our generation have partnered, um, that by which we've been oppressed and abused. And God was addressing that in a particular group of people last week. But he was also in that giving an, us an intercessory prayer assignment as the people of God. He was saying, I am exposing and confronting darkness in your region and giving you the authority I'm going to heal you and free you and bring you repentance by my kindness. And now I'm going to give you, through this revelation, an authority to know how to pray against the kingdom of darkness in your region. Like, you're going to go after and break these strongholds of spirits of violence, spirits of striving, uh, orphan mindsets um, that believe we need to strive to earn God's favor, that kind of thing, rather than receive it by faith. And, and so God was giving us insight into how to pray. It was an interpretation of my dream. The other thing God is doing is he is recovering the anointing that's on us that was on A.B. Simpson, our founder, which Tim Meyer spoke about, to reach immigrants. Amen? God is going, I, I'll prophesy, we are going to see many immigrants come to faith in this next season through this church. And our church will grow in part through immigrants coming into the family of God here because there's an anointing that God is recovering in us through repentance, healing, and deliverance of us to see and to receive by faith what he has for our community, to give what he's giving us away, and that's this anointing. Amen? Um, and so I'm encouraged about that, but that lends all like a whole new level of meaning to my dream. Well, another reason we only see in part, right, and we don't identify with Jesus is because we sincerely aren't experiencing what he's experiencing. I mean, if you have lost something in particular in your life, and I have not, I can't identify with you like someone else who has lost what you've lost, right? Um, if you have a shattered expectation or, or terribly misunderstood in a particular way, and there's a group of people who can identify with you in this way, then they can connect with you more greatly than I might be able to, right? Guys, Jesus hopes for people to understand him rightly as the kind of king he would be are shattered here. And he also is about to suffer and die an execution, <laughs> even though he's innocent. And he is grieving, 
And John's, I think, John, you said it or you said it, Heather, but he identifies with us in our grief. He carries our sorrows. Amen. And so he relates to us in our grief. In fact, the scripture says that all day long he holds his hands open to an obstinate and disobedient people. And this is the picture about which he weeps here. So I said it two weeks ago from Philippians, but it still plays out here. Uh, It still uh, has played today. Jesus is the servant king, right? Uh, I can't get away from his identity as servant king, apparently, because two weeks ago I preached that uh, from Philippians. I'm sure you remember that. Um, I'm just kidding, but I'm, I trust that God has imparted it to it's so deep in you that even though you don't remember it with your mind, that it's just transformed you from the inside out. So, <laughs> no, but Jesus is the servant king, and he comes carrying this burden in great love, and he comes being exalted. He's about to be exalted on a cross, not a throne, and it's all because of this deep love in him. You see a picture of this love in his weeping, right? And guys, I just want to say to us this morning that there is no way to walk uh, in the burden of Jesus, carrying the cross of Jesus, without continuing to encounter him at his visitation. This is the particular thing about which Jesus weeps, right? If you look at the word by word in this passage, it's because they did not realize him at his visitation. And the word realize there is to know, to know intimately, to know episodically, to know experientially. You get my drift. It's to encounter him, to experience him. Jesus was never more made manifest than when he was on earth. Amen? Here he was right in front of them. His presence causing people to worship, at least in part. Yes, they worshiped at the miracles they saw. But I have to imagine that that some of them fell into worship at His presence. Right? We do. (laughs) Here He is in the flesh. And they miss Him at the time of visitation. How do we carry His love in the form of burdens and in the form of our cross in the form of our laying down and preferring others. How do we do that? Except to time and time again be marked by encounter with Jesus. Yesterday morning, there weren't 15 of us gathered here, and God's power came on some of us. We were being marked by His presence again. And guess what? Tomorrow we'll need fresh bread. We can't live on testimonies. We remember them. And we share them, and they have the power to reproduce themselves because of the Word of God. But we need fresh bread. And we need to keep encountering Jesus in order to walk in His love that looks like burden for others and a cross and not a throne. That is, to walk in the humility and the gentleness of Christ. His kingdom looks like the greatest is servant of all announcing good news to the poor, and even loving your enemies. Well, Jesus continues to be disturbed the next day, doesn't he? He goes into the temple courts, and he is indignant. And Jesus freaks out here at these religious leaders who I said it earlier have made 
the temple into a den of thieves. Think about what that means for a second. Sometimes I read, I read this, you know, you might read it so many times that you just kind of gloss over it. Yeah, I know what that says, and you move on to the next passage. A den of th- a place where one goes to hide after stealing. A, it's a simple thing to understand, right? A den of thieves. <laughs> They're hiding behind their robes. They're hiding behind their shame. They're hiding behind their fear in a culture that they've created as religious leaders to separate and elevate themselves compared to the people. They've separated themselves on race. They've put Gentiles in another place within the temple courts. They've made them pay more money to get in. They've separated women in the patriarchal society. And Jesus comes in and abolishes that wall of hostility, right? He abolishes it, not by a cord of whips, but by a cross. And the cord of whips is a sign of what's to come. And he smashes that wall, saying there is no separation between man and woman. There is no difference in value between Jew and Gentile, slave and free. And that this salvation is for all, that this kingdom is a different kingdom. They separated and elevated with their leadership, and Jesus levels everything at the cross. And he says, we are all level at the cross, and there's one leader, and we are all followers. Amen? Paul even said, follow me as I follow Christ. I like to think of that. I hope Paul meant, follow me in as much as I follow Christ, right? If I err, don't follow me there. (laughs) Correct me. You know, or don't at least don't follow me. And so we are all followers. And Jesus said it. Don't call anyone else leader. You have only one leader. Don't call anyone else instructor. Don't call anyone else father. You have one father. And now he sends his followers, us, his church. And now we are the watchmen on the wall. And now we are the people proclaiming good news, right? rejoicing together that our God reigns, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, as was prophesied in Isaiah's prophecy. And as we announce that good news in prayer and in evangelism, over around tables and in relationships, people come under His Lordship, under His salvation and His weeping, turns to rejoicing. Amen. Um, Last week, someone prayed, uh, I I hear the Lord saying, I'll pour out what you cry out. I'll pour out what you cry out. And I'm reminded that there are the prayers of the saints in bowls in heaven. Amen. Amen. And that when we come in prayer and hear the heart of God, the voice of the Lord on what to pray, and we pray it back to Him, there's something so powerful in that. And I really believe that there's a spirit of grace and supplication on us uh, right now. I don't know if it's a season thing or God's building and growing us into this as as a watchman kind of people, as part of our communal identity in Christ. But 
um, I want to do that this morning. I want to do something a little different. Um, we're super early. Wow. Um, and so I shared this a few months ago, but um, I was at a conference where a woman was talking about, she's a missionary to Mozambique and was talking about uh, uh, war-torn Mozambique. This, this, these villages that she serves, relationships, people she's closest to um, being killed in genocide in warfare, and um, the Spirit of God came on me in such a way that I just began to moan and groan with no words. Like, for over an hour, the Spirit of God sustained this on me and some others in the room. She identified it as a spirit of intercession as she spoke, and um, it's interesting. On one hand, um, I felt like if God keeps me under His power like this much longer, I'm going to die. And on another hand, I didn't want him to leave. <laughs> it was just a little taste, a taste of the suffering of Jesus and the people in Mozambique. You understand? Like, it wasn't about me and it wasn't about the suffering I was experiencing. I wasn't experiencing suffering like they were, right? But Jesus was like, I'm going to let you feel a little bit of it. <laughs> I'm just going to let you feel just a little bit of it, right? And it was the groan of God. It wasn't my groan. <laughs> and um, I raise that again today to just give us a picture of the heart of God, right? The burden that he feels, the weeping, he, the type of weeping he might have done here, right? It's a groan. It says when he would heal people, right, it, was, it said that his compassion would come. It would be a, the word for compassion is, is like a guttural groan, you know, and Jesus had compassion on them and healed them. <laughs> and, um, but that's really what that word is. And so, but I'd like to do something a little different today, guys. I'd like to spend a little time in intercession. And I think it's, I think the Lord has, has confirmed this. So I'm just set this up with the time we have anyway. So that's great. Um, but I just want to wait on the Lord and ask God to come. Heather, if, is Heather here? Can you come and play? Thanks. And um, if people feel led to come up uh, around the altar uh, area, the front, please do. But um, I feel like God is giving a specific assignment that he's giving us grace to pray for physical slaves around the world. You know, there's more slaves today um, than ever before in, in human history. Um, there's also more people coming to Christ than ever before, which I didn't plan on saying, but... Um, than in human history in terms of the rate and the, and the number of people. So I want to pray for uh, physical slaves today. Um, I'm just saying like literal slaves. Also for salvation for people, um, spiritual salvation, that people would um, receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. For uh, Lastly, for war-torn places. Um, we're all very familiar about what's going on in Ukraine right now. But as I mentioned about Mozambique, I mean, there are so many places that experience this just as a way of life. And we're just so numb to it. I mean, the news doesn't even cover it anymore. It's just, oh, that's the way it is there, where those people are, right? <laughs> and um, I want to contend for them with you. Guys, part of our inheritance is we get to labor with Jesus, uh, we get to co-labor with him to 
exert the victory that he won at the cross, right? To manifest the victory that's already been won. Like, I don't want to miss saying that. Um, I, I've referenced the cross, <laughs> but the victory, you know, in Zechariah's prophecy, it says that he, not, he didn't just come gentle and humble, but that he came in victory and righteousness, that he would come in victory and righteousness, the prophecy. And that righteousness, that victory, make no mistake, it was fulfilled 2,000 years ago when he died and rose again. He conquered sin and death. Everything we're going to pray for today, he's victorious over. But it's a now and not yet, right? It's, it's, a, it's a now and not yet era of God's kingdom. And what we're contending for are the not yet places where his kingdom has not yet ruled and reigned, right? And so I just want to encourage you, if you would stand, I'm just going to ask God's spirit to come. The spirit Zechariah called the spirit of grace and supplication. And so, Holy Spirit, spirit of grace and supplication, spirit of Jesus, would you come and teach us to pray? And everyone, I just encourage you to yield to Jesus right now. Just let him come. Let the kingdom of God come to you that the kingdom, that the Holy Spirit would pray through you this morning. It might be a gentle word. It's not, I'm not, it doesn't have to be something dramatic. You may have a prophetic word for someone else that has to do with them being sent to the nations, right? This is all ways in which Jesus could come. It may be similar to how God came on me that day months ago, but the point isn't how he comes. It's that he comes and that we yield to his coming and just let him come. Let him do a work in the, and let the joy of identifying with him, fellowshipping with him, whether in joy or suffering or both, um, just let that come. And so, Lord God, we just yield, we surrender to you. If there's anyone in this place who has never received Jesus as their Lord and Savior, and you want to say, you want to say, I would never, I don't want to go another day without being in fellowship with Jesus, without being in right relationship with God and his people. Let today be the day of your salvation where you say, Jesus, I receive you as my Lord and Savior. I ask, Lord, forgive me of my sins and thank you for your forgiveness. If that's you, then I encourage you, yield that way. Surrender that way into the family of God through faith in Jesus Christ. So Holy Spirit, just more of your presence right now. More of you, oh God. Thank you, Lord, that even as we wait on you, just yield to him. Even as we wait on you, Lord God, that hearts are returning to you hearts of your people are returning to you and the hearts of the lost are turning to you in Jesus' name. So Lord, we thank you. We just ask for more.